0: This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We are back. We're here. Yep, I'm your host Tyler Hurley here with Robbie Lashua. What's up, guys? What is and gals
1: and everybody? Everybody, everybody everybody out
0: there. there. We are super excited to be back with you guys today. We're continuing our series on sexuality, and today we're going to be getting into homosexuality a bit. And some controversies have been coming up lately. Yes. Uh, And. It's just going to be a very, very interesting discussion. Yeah, this is a big deal,
1: culturally relevant, because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, argument over, uh, was the word homosexuality added to scripture in 1946? There's like a movie coming out about it. We're going to talk about all that stuff. However, we always want to start off with... Coffee tips. A coffee tip. And this is a short tip. But it's important to know. So mm-hmm. coffee is really important. We would we would admit this. We believe that coffee is great. It's one of the best beverages God has ever mm-hmm. bestowed upon our species. Um, or we've discovered, you know, and we've discovered. <laughs> um, so coffee is the second most traded product in the entire world. That's kind of a big deal, yeah, right? That's a big that's, deal. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Now. What is the first? That's the what question would lead right? to wonder, If yeah. Coffee is the second. What is the first? And this one, this was kind of weird to me. I, I was like, really, but it makes sense when you think about it. The first most traded product in the world is petroleum. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that immediately, but when you start to think about that with gas and all these other things... You well, know, well, it's needed. Okay, yeah, that yeah, makes some sense. Yeah. I guess so. But coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world. Yeah, that's That is pretty crazy. awesome. So coffee is a big deal. Well, and uh, you know, too, we... Uh, I can
0: understand that. A lot of people would have to trade for it to get it because it can only be grown in certain climates and yep, stuff. So absolutely. that's
1: probably a big piece of that. Yep. Everyone wow, can't yeah. grow it. So it has to be traded it and shipped and all that and kind shipped. of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind so, of an interesting yeah. interesting tip. Coffee is the second most traded product in the entire world. That's yeah. really cool. It is kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. Fun stuff. You can, you can test your friend's knowledge with that one and yeah, pe- right? petroleum being number one. Well, look at that. That's
0: very cool. Yeah. All right, but there is the coffee tip for you guys today, but now
1: we are going to get into the content. Here we go, mm-hmm. here we go. So Tyler, there's this movie. Yes. That hasn't been put out yet, but there's like a GoFundMe for it, mm-hmm. the 1946 movie.
0: Yeah, and it's it's very interesting. We just watched the trailer for it together before uh, we were sharing uh, this episode with you guys, but it's really interesting. Um, when you go to the website, it's on a website, um, I believe it's... Yeah, 1946themovie.com. Yep. Uh, when you go to that website, because it's not out yet, obviously. And no. like Robbie said, uh, they got to go fund me going for it right now to get more uh, traction so that way they can release it. Um, but you go to their website, and uh, on the home page, it says, What if the word homosexual was never meant to be in the Bible? 1946 is a revolutionary new film that chronicles how the misuse of a single word changed the course of modern history.
1: Yeah, so they're claiming that the word homosexual was never Mm -hmm. meant to be in Scripture, and in 1946, it made its way in.
0: Yes, isn't that crazy? And so uh, that's the claim that they're making, is that it was not something that is in the Bible until 1946 it was added. Yeah, so we just, for
1: the past, what would it be, Uh, 60, 70 years, almost 80 years, it's just, we haven't known this and, Big, oh, man, yeah. like we've mistakenly we translated this word, which has hurt
0: a lot of people. Right. So that's the claim, right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's what, what is, you think here is, um Let me see here. So like more than 45,000 churches. This is actually also on the website. This is a quote wanna, from the website. Yeah, I want to yeah. specify that. Uh, they also say more than 45,000 churches today still preach that homosexuality is a sin, citing biblical references that condemn homosexuals. What would change if the churches discovered the truth? The word homosexual was added to the Bible in 1946 by mistake. And it says that in their trailer,
1: too. Yep. That's that's the emphasis of it. And so yeah, that's what so they're going after. You scroll down on their website and then you mm-hmm. get to kind of like their evidence part. I think it, I think it's even titled if I remember correctly. It's titled like evidence. And then you can read up. And this is this is their argument. Um, this is a quote. As part of their extensive research, they uncovered 90 boxes of notes from the archives of Yale University. Filled in these boxes for over five decades was a letter sent to the RSV Translation Committee written by a young seminarian named David S. In the letter, David points out the dangerous implications that could come with the mistranslation and misuse of the word homosexual. Dr. Luther Weigel, the head of the Translation Committee, wrote a letter back to David S., to acknowledge their mistake and commit to correcting their grave error. Unfortunately, the revised version of the RSV, which replaced homosexual with the words sexual perverts, wasn't published until 1971, 25 years after the mistranslation occurred. By then, other translations of the Bible had applied the RSV's uses of homosexual in biblical texts. So, um, they're claiming that other English translations just go to the RSV instead of looking mm-hmm. at the Greek, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of that's it's interesting. It's like that's not what they do. They look at the Greek yeah. and the Hebrew, and they translate from the original languages. But they're exactly, claiming yeah. that it was an accident, and this seminary student caught it, wrote a letter. The committee said, oh, man, we did screw up, but you know it was already being published. And so it, they didn't revise it to sexual pervert until— 1971 but mm-hmm. by then you know it was it was already gone yeah, uh, they continue yeah. on the website and there's another here's another quote it says today the misuse of the word homosexual appears mo- in most translations of the bible namely 1 Corinthians 6:9 and 1 Timothy one ten. sadly this has become the foundation for much of the anti-gay culture that exists today, especially in religious spaces. Yeah, and that's their argument. That's what they say. Yes, So yeah, so this is this is a big thing. A, a couple things like you should go to the website, you should watch the trailer, you should see the arguments that they are proposing. Um, and today we want to take a deep dive onto this. Okay, so in First Corinthians 6 and in First Timothy 1, is the word homosexual that is in a lot of English translations, is that a wrong way to translate the Greek term that's there?
0: Yeah, and that, that's what we need to look at, because obviously the text predates 1946, so there's, it's yes. been around yes, for a long does. time. <laughs> yes, it yes, does. Yes, it has. <laughs> so we need to look back and say, like, see, like, does it line up with the arguments that they're making? So we're going to take a look at the text right now, and we're going to do that. That's going to be the goal of the, the show today. Um, so I'm going to start by reading really fast. First uh, Timothy 1, 8 through 11 it says, now we know that the law is good. If one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, uh, perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with the which I have been
1: entrusted. Okay, so you see where it says men who practice homosexuality. Uh-huh. <clears throat> some translations, so this is from the ESV. Correct. The English Standard Version. But some translations say homosexuals. So the sexually immoral, mm-hmm. homosexuals. The ESV translate it, translates it men who practice homosexuality. Yes. Right? But that's the word in question here. It's one word in Greek, arsenokoite. It's one word. And so they translate it, men who practice homosexuality. Other translations say homosexuals, but that's what the whole movie's about. Yeah. All right? Yeah, the, it is. The one other passage where this word is translated as—well, um, and well, I want to be clear on this. The one other place in the New Testament where this word in Greek is even used— so, Paul only uses mm. this word in two places 1 Corinthians 1 and, for, sorry, 1 Timothy 1 and 1 Corinthians 6 9 and 10. Yes. So, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 6 9 and 10. Paul says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, you see the ESV translates it men who practice homosexuality, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there is a footnote in the ESV, because this is important. In 1 Timothy, where it says men who practice homosexuality, it's only one word, arsenokoitai. But in 1 Corinthians 6, where it says the same phrase, men who practice homosexuality, it's actually two Greek words. It's arsenikoitai and Mm malakoi. But they don't show you that because it's the exact same phrase in both places. So there's a footnote in the ESV for 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. And in the footnote, it says, the two Greek terms translated by this phrase— refer to the passive and active partners in consensual homosexual acts. So they're, they're admitting there's two phrases, there's two words here, but we're just encompassing the sin in the one phrase, men who practice homosexuality, both sides of a homosexual act. So we yes. want to dive into it, but there is a little bit of a better translation than yes. the ESV did to see that there's two distinct words here.
0: Yeah, and that's the NASB. So you'll find yeah. that um, uh, like there's nothing wrong with the ESV, but the, the NASB I, is more on point with the actual translation. It lets you know
1: there's two different terms being used. Correct. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it does. And that's, that's why this is important uh, for us to read this in Mm -hmm. this version. So uh, I'm going to read it. It's a same passage, just in NASB. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So yep. we can see there's context being placed a little bit more here in this v- version. You can see a little bit that it's it's divided up into two terms. Yeah. Two so there's different
1: types. there's effeminate, mm-hmm. which is the malakoi and homosexuals, which is arsenikoitai. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We can see that here. And so uh, what's interesting is that we can see that the, it's Two different things, yes. just as you said. It phrase, and I think the two different versions clear, like clearly display that. But what's also interesting about this, which you might not realize at face value, Paul is actually quoting Deuteronomy seventeen seven in First Corinthians five thirteen. Yep. So
1: just previous to this passage of First Corinthians six. He's quoting Deuteronomy exactly. 17. He's okay. quoting it previously. So why is that important? In
0: the, in, yeah, exactly. The reason it's important is because uh, in the vice list that he's giving, in 6 and 9 through 10, if you notice when on that list when I just read, drunkenness is the only sin that's not found to be sin in God's sight from Leviticus, which is interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so you got to think the next question we need to look at is, does this term that Paul uses dis- uh, describe like with... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The the whole idea that we need to focus on here is looking at okay, obviously drunkenness is the only sin that's not found in Leviticus. Well, in it's found form. in
1: Leviticus, but what so the the point here is is that Leviticus 18 through 20. Yes, yes. So these are 3, 18, 19, 20, three chapters of Leviticus. Yes, that cha- deal mm-hmm. with morality in the Old Testament. And in Leviticus 18, 19, and 20, a whole bunch of sins are condemned. Mm -hmm. You think about Leviticus 18, it's where it talks about bestiality, child sacrifice, homosexuality, adultery... All this stuff that Israel's not supposed to engage in because it's abominations to God. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. in Leviticus 18 through 20, the same list of sins that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 is listed in mm-hmm. those three chapters, except drunkenness isn't listed in Leviticus in those three Thank chapters. You. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so. That's it. Paul's mind is focused on the Old Testament law. Yeah, He quotes from Deuteronomy. Now he's quoting through, in order, the list of sins from Leviticus 18 through 20. So the context is, he's thinking about the Old Testament law.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, thank thank you. That's exactly the point. And so we can't get distracted with their whole argument in this documentary that they're making. Mm -hmm. uh, Because the argument that they're making is that the word homosexual was only recently created. Mm-hmm. And uh, that basically it's irrelevant because clearly homosexual behavior was happening in Paul's time period. We shouldn't be distracted by that because that's actually another point that I want to make here. And mm-hmm. I, I talked about this before the sh- we re- did the show. Is that the entire English language was obviously not around then. So there's tons (laughs) of words that are in scripture that weren't used back then. All of our English words weren't around then. They were not. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Now, uh, and and that's the thing that you got to realize is that because that word is not in the original, uh, that exact word homosexual Mm -hmm. does not mean that that's not the context of what was being described. And so. Yeah. And the other thing
1: is, is so, because obviously English Bibles. Existed prior to f- 1946. Yeah, yeah. Right? Of course they did. So if you look at what other versions said, do you like? Do you know the King James version said? Oh no, I actually sodomites. Don't. Sodomites. Oh, oh well, there you go. Yeah. And okay. So, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So 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 you go. Okay. So the real question should become: What is the word that Paul used, and what does it mean? Ah, uh, yeah. It really should. Right. And, and Not that's... what English words are we using exactly to, to describe it? What did the term mean? Yeah, exactly. That's what we need to
0: focus on is what did the term mean? Uh, Does the term mean that Paul Paul uses describe homosexual sex? And if it does, then clearly Paul is listing this in a vice list and it's unrighteous. So that's what we need to focus on is what is the word that's being used in this context and what does it mean? So, Robbie, if you want to shed light on what is the word... Yeah. What does it
1: mean? Well, there's a, yeah. there's a couple of things that I think are interesting cuz even in like when we were watching the trailer for the 1946 movie, mm-hmm. you know, they said that the the RSV updated their version in 1971 and they changed the word instead of translating arsen koitai as homosexual, they translated it as sexual pervert. Yeah, that's okay. an argument they make. The the weird part of it is, man, is if you look at these lists, um let me go back. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got NASB. So you've got, uh, uh, don't be deceived, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexual, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers mm-hmm. will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, so where where it says neither fornicators, you see that word? Yeah. So fornicators, and, and we've talked about this on a previous podcast, it's the Greek word pornea. Mm. And so it's like a we junk ta- junk drawer mm-hmm. term of like any kind of sexual perversion. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing to me is if you would translate arsene as sexual perverts, how's that different than pornea? Yeah, I mean— It just sounds redundant. It does. It you does. Know? So I've always yeah. thought that was kind of weird. But that even aside, yeah, let's look at this word and let's talk through what it is, mm. what it means, where it came from. To get an understanding of what Paul's trying to communicate. Yes. All right, so here we go. So the word arsenicoitai, which is translated in some versions as homosexual, or like the ESV says, men who practice homosexuality. um, What is this phrase? Now this is going to maybe be a little shocking, but it is true that most likely, Paul coined this phrase, this word. He created it, you're saying. He created, in a sense, this word. Yeah. And the reason mm. that, that we think that, and, and a lot of scholars think that, is because prior to 1 Corinthians, we don't have any examples of this word appearing in Greek literature. Mm. Afterward, it does. But before, it doesn't. So it seems mm. like maybe Paul came up with this term. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, it's very easy to see that it's a compound word, which means it's made up of two words. Yeah, right. And here's what the two words are. The first word is arsenos, which means male, as mm-hmm. in opposite of female, male, and coitin, which means to bed. Like um, even in our language, we use that word like coitus interruptus, Right. That is the, the um, activity of pulling out of your partner in order not to impregnate them. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, but coitus, bedding, is the idea in a sexual way. <clears throat> so you've got arsenos and coitin, which means to bed. So this word literally means, because it's in the plural, um, it means bedders of males or men who bed with males. Well, look at that. Yes, that's that's like what it translates to because it's in the plural. And so um, that's what the word means, but how can we know that uh, this is what Paul intended it to mean, right? Yeah, right. That's the question. And so it's like... I think that what it comes
0: back to is we need to look at where did Paul come up with it, right? If he did yes. create this term, yes. where did he come up with it, the the way to make it? So uh, what's really interesting that we know about Paul is that he was an apostle to the Gentiles.
1: Yes, that's what he's supposed to do, go to the Gentiles. He's that's establishing Gentile churches all over the uh-huh. world.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, is he understands the law. He understands, he was a mm-hmm. Jew of Jews, right? He understands Hebrew. Yes. Uh, but because he is preaching to Gentiles, he is learning Scripture in Greek. So that way he can teach it to them in Greek, because that was the common
1: language. Yeah, that was the Gentile language. Exactly.
0: It was the Gentile language. So we know, and we see clearly throughout Scripture, that Paul quotes directly from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So sometimes Uh if you look up Paul quoting the Old Testament... And you go to the Septuagint, it's word for word exact, which, which if he was in his mind, translating from Hebrew into Greek in his mind, there's multiple ways to do it. Yeah. So we do see sometimes where he's not quoting the Septuagint. So you know that, that he's directly quoting it because he's not phrasing things in, in his own way. Yes. He's directly quoting in places, which means he was familiar with it, which like you're saying, it only makes sense because if he's reaching people who that's the Bible they used...
0: Yeah, He's that's going
1: what, to quote it and be familiar with that's it. That's what he's doing. And yeah. it's going to make them more familiar
0: with it. So he's reaching them where they're at. So yep. it makes sense. Uh, and it makes sense because uh, they're familiar with it. But um, Levi- I want to talk about Leviticus 18.22 in the Septuagint, okay?
1: Okay, now again, just as a recap, I yeah. want to explain. Okay, so What we discussed earlier, right? Well, yeah, but I want to explain, too, that the um, the Bible, the Old Testament, mm-hmm. was mostly written in Hebrew. There's a couple of parts in Aramaic. Mm-hmm. But Leviticus was written in Hebrew. Yes, and then about a hundred ish years, a little over hundred years before Christ, um, they translated the Old Testament into Greek because more and more people were speaking Greek. So that the Bible had been the Greek Septuagint had been around for about a hundred years when oh, yeah. Jesus was on the scene. So Jesus would have even known about it. Paul knows about it. Paul's quoting from it. So le- yeah, now we're going to look at the prohibitions against homosexuality in the in Leviticus and the law. Which again, this comes from Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, yeah. which is what Paul was just listing the vice list of in First yeah, Corinthians. Yeah, exactly. And so it makes sense. Yeah. So let's go look at how the Septuagint translates that and mm-hmm. the words they use. Yeah. So All I'm right. going to
0: read it uh, in English in the ESV first, and then okay. uh, Robbie will read it uh, and break it down a little bit more. Uh, so again, Leviticus 18.22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination.
1: Okay. okay. Very so simple. There's a prohibition against homosexuality from Leviticus 18. Mm-hmm. In the Septuagint, which again is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Yes. They translate it, Kai metoi arsenos, Oh, arsenos as in arsenokoitai? Yes. We mentioned that earlier, yeah. That means male. You remember when you read it, it says you shall not lie with a male. Mm-hmm. Arsenos is the word male. Yeah. That's there. So it says, Kai, Meta, Arsenos, Oi, uh, man, my Greek is not as sharp as it used to that be. That is, all right. We're Koi, methase say, Wait a second. Koitin as in like, Koitai, Koitis? Yes. hmm In the Septuagint, in Leviticus 18, the word Arsenos and the word Koitin are both used, which is the compound word, that Paul makes up or puts these two words together in first Corinthians to refer to this prohibition in Leviticus 18. Yes. So look at that. So it's not as if he's making up a new concept. He's familiar with the Septuagint's wording, which his audience also would be. Mm -hmm. And he's putting it in there because they'll know what he's referring to. Yeah, so you
0: can see right there that that's clearly what's happening. He's, he's yeah. breaking it down for them by
1: using the Septuagint language. Yep, using the Greek terms found in the Bible yeah. they'd be familiar with.
0: Exactly, and so yep. that's how he put this word together.
1: Yep, let's look at the next one, though, because Leviticus 20, Mm -hmm. 13, there's also a prohibition against homosexuality.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I'm going to read that again in the ESV. It says, if a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is
1: upon them. Okay, so in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the Bible, of the Old Testament, it says, kai ois on uh, koimethe, which is coitus. Meta arsenos. So now these two words are literally one word apart from yeah, each other. Yeah, literally. So you can see how Paul would... Um, would. Um, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's kai it's ois on um, kamethe, mm, okay. meta arsenos koitin. So now the two words are literally right next to each other. They're not yeah. one word apart. Arsenos koitin, which is yeah. really close to arsenokoitai. He just... Smushes of the spade. He just puts them together because in it makes the it Old Testament word, they are right there. Yeah, they're right yeah. next to one another in Leviticus twenty thirteen. Yeah, and that's that's really cool. So we can see like. Uh, you ask
0: yourselves then, like, then where did this come from? Sure. Well, clearly you can see, uh, like, I mean, well, it could have been that the term before that came from rabbinic, rabbinic d- discussions of homosexuality based on the Septuagint. Yeah, the, well, So like other rabbis could have been using it. They
1: could have discussed it in that term because... Yeah. Yeah, that's a way they could describe it to Greeks as well. So it could have been.
0: So that could have been an explanation, but it also could be that Paul coined this word. He created it because... Yeah. Uh, I mean... It's crazy because we actually see that Paul does this in other instances too. Yep. Uh, we see, and this is just uh, something I've learned very recently, that uh, there's 179 words in Paul's writings that do not appear in any other known pre-Christian literature. Yeah, so it's not like this is the
1: only word he did this with. Yeah,
0: so that, we there's wouldn't be just like like grasping at straws here. so no, like, he this did this all the time. So is something like, okay, it's actually likely that he did this. Yep. And so uh, that's kind of the crazy thing. So... Uh, it, it, it may not mean that he created all these terms, like we said, but it does show that he was willing to use non-standard terminology to communicate his message, well, and he, that's
1: what he's going after. He's also, again, remember, so he studied Hebrew, he's a Jew of Jews, he knows Greek, obviously, he can write oh, in Greek absolutely. and all that, but he's a Jew, yeah, and so yeah. he's thinking of the Old Testament, he thinks of the Hebrew, mm-hmm. and sometimes he's trying to communicate Hebraic ideas into Greek, yeah. which means he's creating these terms that he knows work mm-hmm. to explain concepts. So you know how like, um, you know the word, because both of us love basketball, right? We yeah, both love the yeah. NBA. So you know the word three-peat. Yeah, absolutely. What does that mean, Tyler? It
0: means you get back-to-back wins. So meaning championships typically back to Back-to-back. Back-to-back-to-back,
1: correct. 3 Three in a row. Three-peat, yeah. though, three-peat is not an English word. No, absolutely not. Do you know, you might not know this, and I'm, I'm just asking this on the flight, do you know sure. where the word came from? Actually, well, I don't know where the origin is, but I can think of earlier times that I've heard it used, but. The guy who coined the phrase, and I think he actually has a copyright on it does he really It was pat riley what okay when he when he was coaching the lakers and they won back to back and he wanted to go for number three and he came up with and and copyrights the phrase three pete that's crazy yeah so he created a phrase that didn't really exist prior to him that now we all use and we know what it means it's kind of a wow, similar situation yeah. with Paul, right? That's that's what yeah. he did with Arson but he really just takes it from Leviticus twenty thirteen, where they're right next to each other, and he whoop smushes yeah, them together. Yeah, well,
0: look at that. So uh, that makes sense, but and now we can see like that's. That seems like that's what Paul is doing here. It's pretty clear, he could, yeah. Yeah, he could not be more clear on what he meant by using this term. And I think by breaking it down and seeing uh, the original language that he was describing, and like like just recapping again, he's doing this because he's trying to meet the people where they're at. So mm-hmm. it's a solid argument. For the original intended meaning, being homosexuality, which is Mm -hmm. what we would call it today. But obviously, yeah, like homosexuality was not a word that was used back then, that was translated to what we use today. They didn't use any
1: English words back then. No, there weren't. Um, And so, yeah, so you get into, he seems to be listing in, like you said, the vice list, that this activity is an unrighteous activity. We don't mm-hmm. need to use the English word homosexual, we should look at the Greek word, but it means "betters of men," men who exactly. bed with yeah. other men. So that activity, just like adultery and just like fornication and just like drunkenness are bad things, they're bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Now this is the hard part, and we we were talking about this earlier, is that in our culture today, and we really sh- we should take some time to understand this, is when somebody says I am gay. Mm-hmm. I am a homosexual. What they are referring to is their identity. Yes. The Bible, the, I, I think this is really interesting. The Bible nowhere gives the impression that your sexual desires are your identity. Yeah. When the Bible prohibits homosexuality, what it is prohibiting is a behavior. Homosexual sex. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Adultery is what? Prohibiting a behavior. Uh, Having sex with somebody who's not your spouse. Bestiality is what? Prohibiting a behavior. Sex with an animal. It's not talking about identity or how you um, want the world to perceive you. It's talking about these are sinful behaviors. And it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, how our identity as human beings is that we are made in the image of God. Yeah, And when we identify as our brokenness or as our sin, we're really confused. But but that's that's where our culture is, right? That's exactly it. They identify as the sin instead of seeing that this behavior is sinful. And so you and I were talking about how that's why it's so offensive to people. Well, yeah,
0: that's the thing. When when homosexuals, like people who struggle with homosexuality, they... Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, they'll they'll feel attacked yeah. regardless and, and there's uh, oftentimes there's almost nothing you can do about it and the reason why is exactly that it's because they wrap their identity in homosexual uh, behavior so yeah. those th- when you tell them the bible is against homosexuality you're telling them the behavior they're yes. receiving it as I am homosexuality. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. They, they think of themselves as homosexuality, that they are the embodiment of what homosexuality is. Yes. So to them, they're they're thinking you're literally saying the Bible is against
1: you. That's yes. the way they
0: perceive it. And look, th- and that's not what it's saying.
1: No, that's not, not what the text says. The Bible doesn't give you that option. It's but, talking about a behavior. Exactly. Because our identity never is in our brokenness. Our identity is in being image bearers. That's yeah. the biblical worldview. Yeah, and, but the the issue mm-hmm. too comes down to Tyler, none of us are what we feel. Yeah, exactly. Think about this: we are before we feel. Mm-hmm. You have to be. Yeah. In order yeah. to feel, or in order to have a desire, you already have to be. It's so true. Our yeah. desires can't be our identity.
0: Well, Does that make thing. sense? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's just it's a matter of understanding that. You need to place your identity in the right area, not in, 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 who, in, in what's what real. you do, yeah. but who you are and what's real. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, and that's the thing. That's the whole basis of what I think truly offends a lot of people who are homosexuals because mm-hmm. they
1: wrap their identity in that. They believe that's well, who they are and that's it. And I also think it's important with the word that Paul used where he says, betters of men. Yeah um, he's, he's talking about an activity. It's Mm -hmm. a behavior you do. It's an action. That's the sin.
0: He doesn't talk about
1: a same sex attraction. Of course. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where our culture has really made a mess of these things because the Bible is against these behaviors because they're not proper and they're not how we're supposed to function. Mm -hmm. But we all have desires, that aren't good as well. Yeah. And the whole idea is when I have a desire or I feel a certain way that I know is wrong or God says is wrong, I don't have to indulge that desire. So believing that I am locked in to have to be whatever feelings might magically develop in me, that's such a that's such a devastating way for any human being to mm-hmm. live because we're always going to have unhealthy desires rise up yes. because we we are infected with sin. So we can't think that way. However, when people say I'm gay, what they mean is it's not just I like to have homosexual sex. Mm-hmm. They're talking about this is who I am as a human. This is completely my identity. Well, and, and, and see, the Bible doesn't lend itself. And, to well, that. you can see that that's just
0: evident. Like like it transforms at least in today's culture every aspect of their life. Like you, it does. You see, it. they they act differently um, by the way that their personality and they carry themselves, whether yeah. it's men sometimes act more feminine, yep. that's, that's something that's common or just simple ways that they live their life out. Right. And uh, like yeah. in very, very small details because they, they, they mold themselves into that. And so yep. th- that's where it becomes, uh, something that, that, that and that's exactly where I was getting to. I think, I truly believe that that's why homosexual, uh, Homosexuals get more offended when Christians speak out against homosexuality because mm-hmm. they they take it as an attack on their identity.
1: When when really what we're saying is this behavior's bad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's an important thing, the distinction, because yeah. sometimes you can be talking to somebody and you're missing them because you're not using the terms mm-hmm. with the same definitions.
0: Yeah, and people so miss people don't other. understand that a lot, and that's that's how. It, a lot of arguments can go wrong. See, so you, you yep. always want to understand what the person is believing who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah.
1: so I'm not talking about a desire people have. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about how you felt since you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about following through with this type of an action Yeah. is sin. Yeah. That's sin. Um, mm-hmm. Having desires and where they come from, we're going to talk about that in the next episode uh, next week. But um, the action the behavior is the sin, according to Scripture. Um, and, and our sin doesn't define who we are because we are image bearers of God. There's also this other argument out there. Um, so the Reformation Project, they are a pro-LGBTQ plus Christian organization um, trying to show how the Old Testament is not against what we do now as homosexuals, they would say. Th- their basic argument is the Bible is against homosexuality, but it's not against our kind of homosexuality. It's not even talking about how we do things today through a loving, committed, consensual homosexual relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the new argument yeah, that's out that's there. Um, but I, I did want to point out with First Corinthians six nine and First Timothy one ten. That in the word arson, uh, or in the context of either of these passages, there is no place where Paul is hinting at all that it's talking about, you know, gluttonous type homosexuality or abusive homosexuality. Or uh, sometimes they'll say it's it's homosexuality done with boys and that's wrong. Um, there's no place where he even hints at that. He just says. Better's of men, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Better's of males, and so you, so you, so. When people try to argue that, oh, he wasn't talking about what we're doing, he couldn't have been clearer on what he was talking about. Yes. The other thing is, is that sometimes they'll say, well, no, that was about, you know, there's temple prostitution and there's pederasty where there's, you know, men had boys that would do sexual favors for them. So they're and, trying to claim it's pedophilia, yeah. essentially. And and that was happening in the first century sure, Corinth. Sure, That was happening in the first century. The problem with that argument in these passages is is that they had words to describe that activity. Yeah. And, and they Paul were, didn't use uh-huh. those words. So I want to read a quote to you from uh, my friend Alan Schliemann. He's an apologist with Stand to Reason. And he says this, quote, The words pederaste, which means lover of boys, pedomanes, which means man mad for boys, or paid off thoros, which means corrupter of boys, would have served Paul's purpose perfectly if that were his intention, it wasn't. Rather, these passages, given the context and Arsenacoidai's origin, communicate an absolute prohibition of any form of homosexual sex. Yeah, yeah. So, so the argument that it's referring to pedophilia, pederasty—it's it, just—it doesn't hold water at all because they had words that could have said that
0: exactly. So, yeah. so
1: this word, okay. So the big. It shouldn't be translated homosexual. Yeah. Well, and I would agree that if if they mean in the sense of I have these feelings that I didn't create mm-hmm. that are same-sex attraction, that isn't what he's talking about. Right. But he's talking about somebody who indulges in or practices homosexual sex, male homosexual yes. sex. Yes. That's what he is talking about. That's what he's
0: describing exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, but let's do an experiment here, though, with okay. this. Uh,
0: this is something that I think is, is really a really good point. Let's give them the sake of the argument that uh, the documentary, uh, 1946, that mm-hmm. their argument's correct, okay? That, okay. let's say, let's say that's correct. Okay. Let's say that Paul, w- uh, I mean, that the translation was incorrect with the, the use of homosexuality in that, mm-hmm. and that uh, 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy did not use the word that we just described, okay? Okay. Let's just give them that. But it, homosexuality would still not be biblically permissible because Paul does not use this word when he's describing homosexuality in Romans 1. Mm. In Romans 1, he uses it differently. So so even if... Uh, mm. It's it's a different way to describe it that he uses in Romans 1. So yeah. even if they were correct on these passages, it's completely different there. Uh, uh, um, which it's not... They're not correct, though, because we just broke it down. Yeah, they're not correct. But even if... What you're saying is even if they were... It does not change the biblical
1: stance on homosexuals The sex. Bible still teaches that homosexuality is wrong. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because
0: so, yeah, Romans
1: not... 1, Paul talks about, you know, their their females exchange the natural function of the man. Exactly, yeah. Likewise, the men exchange the natural function of the woman and burn in the desires for one another. And that's clear one as one day, other. because yeah.
0: he's, not try- he's not even putting together new terms there. Like we Arsene
1: koita is not used no, in that not. chapter anywhere. No, it's not.
0: He literally translates like like men to men, women to women. That's what
1: he does in that passage. And it's interesting, so, too, because he's yeah. not describing desires he's uh-huh. not talking about commitments he's not talking about no, love it's actions it's just the behaviors the Correct. actions yeah Correct. exactly
0: and, and so you gotta think like uh, if this is the best they got it's st- there's still there's nothing there yeah. uh, and for the even if Brazilian, they're right yeah. it doesn't
1: help their case exactly yeah. exactly
0: uh, but th- the thing is is we can show that pretty easily that that that's not the case. No, they're yeah. they're
1: wrong in their assessment. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the other thing I th- I find interesting about this whole argument is in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, where it says effeminate mm-hmm. and homosexuals. So we've dealt with the word arsenicoiti for homosexual. But what is the word effeminate? Yeah, effeminate. We, we
0: said that earlier. Yeah, so What's so this
1: is interesting. Uh in the Greek, this is the word malakoi in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, And we've translated the NASB translates it effeminate. Like we said, the ESV puts this phrase and arsenokoitai together and says men who practice homosexuality, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So what does this word mean? Well, malakoi, it has actually two different definitions. The first definition for this word is, we know in in Greek writings, it was used uh, in referring to very soft clothing. So clothing that's very soft to the touch. Kind of like luxurious, fancy clothing, all right? That's one way this word was used. The second way that this word was used in Greek culture was meaning to be the passive person in a same-sex relationship. Mm. See, okay, and this isn't a a term that Paul made up. This is a Mm -hmm. term that was used prior to Paul and that had a clear meaning. So when he says men betters... And the effeminate, or I think it's the other way around, the, the malakoi, the soft, um, passive partners in homosexual sex, and betters of men. Yeah. The, what is he talking about? And that's why the ESV translates it as men who practice homosexuality, both the, 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 the passive partner and the active partner in that situation. Yeah. That's yeah. why they translate it like that, because honestly, Paul couldn't have been clearer with what he was yeah, describing, it makes so much with sense with these terms, right? Yeah. Right,
0: uh, like it, it, you can just see exactly, like you said, like it's clearly there's a distinction of what he's talking about here, yes. like two different things, which tells you, okay, like maybe he is talking about uh, the action, right, yes. of the homosexual well, acts. Oh. and let
1: me ask you about this. Okay, yeah. so he talks about swindlers, uh huh, and he talks about drunks. Mm-hmm. Are those the same thing? No. Well, that's why he uses different words to describe him, right? Yeah, exactly. So so it seems like he's listing a whole bunch of different vices that aren't all exactly the same, right? That makes sense. It does make sense. So that leads us into what I think is just this fascinating quote from Mm. James White and Jeffrey Neal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read that here. Uh, It says, we know as well that if homosexuality is an acceptable form of sexual expression, as it is claimed by those who are striving to redefine the biblical teachings on the subject, then no other sexual sins beyond adultery and fornication would need to be mentioned. Yet Paul specifically mentions those who are effeminate and homosexuals as being unrighteous and worthy of God's judgment. So, so you see that he's the quote, I think hits the nail on the head. He's, He's bringing up a fantastic point that clearly if that was the case, like if it was acceptable, then all that Paul would need to address, all that the whole Bible would need to address is just uh, adultery and fornication. Those are yep. the main things, because if you fall in line with that, then it's like, okay.
1: Yeah, but it's almost there. as if Paul's saying, but... Arsenecoitai and Malakoi aren't the same They're thing not the same as thing. fornication and adultery.
0: Exactly. Because yeah. it's a
1: different activity. And so, yeah, the people that are arguing, no, 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 it, it, God's fine with our kind of homosexuality. Well, it can't be because then all he would need to mention as prohibiting yeah, is adultery yeah, and fornication. Exactly. So I exactly. think that that is just an awesome quote. So all this to say, the 1946 movie, uh, it it's factually wrong. It is, yeah. But in addition to that, like you said, even if it was right, it doesn't help advance the case that the Bible's pro homosexuality. Exactly. It is not. Exactly. There are other places that mention it that don't use that one word that they're making a movie about.
0: Yeah, and again, this goes back uh, just to touch base with like how people are feeling through this, because uh, like I said, like people are gonna feel attacked by this because it becomes their identity. Mm. They they make well, it
1: who they are. And in that movie, you know, even watching the trailer, yeah. you hear somebody say, I, "You know, I grew up thinking." that I, there was something horribly wrong with me um and that I had to rid myself from this earth and I would have done that because I love God that much right that guy yeah, says he that. said that or, in the beginning of the trailer. Yeah, or I or I'm not worthy you know I grew up thinking that I'm not worthy of God's love and you go wait the bible never teaches that if somebody's practicing homosexuality they're not worthy of God's love Yeah, or that yeah. if somebody's a murderer they're not worthy of God's life. Does the Bible teach that anywhere? No. Not I don't at all. know where this concept came from, but that no, isn't what the Bible teaches. It's not. And so, it, it, but there is actually, contrary to that, mm-hmm.
0: there's redemption offered in Scripture, all mm-hmm. throughout Scripture. And I, I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It's a redemptive statement here.
1: Yeah, so we'll read the, the, the passages that we've been talking about, but then we'll add on. Exactly. Never, you never read just one verse. You, you need read to just the keep entire thing. It. Yes,
0: yeah. exactly. So to start off with the verse we've been covering, the passage we've been covering this entire episode. Uh, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, new men, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then continuing on in verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Yeah, isn't that so, awesome? Yeah, so if you see that right there, immediately he responds by saying, Now wait a second, some of you were like this. Some the of you did these things. Some, some of, of you, you did these
1: things were arsenicoitus. Yeah. Some of you were Malakoi. Mm-hmm. Some of you were you know, sexually immoral and adulterers and idolaters. Yeah. He but, says that, but but you, you were, were
0: sanctified. Yep. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Isn't that awesome? Yes. It's it's fantastic. People
1: so, that practice homosexuality are not beyond God saving.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing. And I'm, not beyond, yeah, I'm and not, beyond
1: not beyond God saving. Yeah. And you're not beyond God saving. saving. This is right. awesome. This is the Christian message that there is grace, right? Yes. Yes. It's like no matter what sin you're going
0: through, uh, like, like our identity isn't in like what we struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. Our identity is in that we are sanctified through Jesus. We are justified in Him. Yes, and so uh, that is something that that we can take heart in, right? And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying. That while we are dealing with this sin, Jesus died so that way we can be set free from it. No matter what sin it is. No matter what sin it is. God's standards are true. We need to acknowledge it and submit to what he says, but there is redemption in that.
1: Yes, absolutely. so uh,
0: that's exactly what we want to get... Uh, at with you guys with the message of what we're trying to share with this this entire series it's like because obviously not just like with homosexuality we've been talking a lot about uh, fornication right or people who yeah. who uh, uh, moved in together before they got married we talked yep. about that it doesn't matter what you've done with your sexuality like God yeah. offers redemption for that
1: yes and and doing things the way And the other thing is just because you've you've messed up yeah. in your sexuality or you've sinned in your life which every single one mm-hmm. of us has um, that doesn't mean that your sin is okay because you've done it. We don't want to go down that route. Right. Um, but just because I've done it doesn't mean God doesn't love me. Mm. Right. That's that while we yeah. were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't say, well, except for homosexuality or except for drunkenness or except for, yeah. he didn't die for those people. No, 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 no. All of us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So whatever your sin is, Christ died for you. There is atonement done for you. It is unlimited, contrary to popular belief that it's limited. That is the stupidest, one of the most heinous doctrines Mm -hmm. I've ever heard in my life. Limited atonement is completely anti-biblical. It is. And, um you should really reconsider your position if you believe that just saying yeah unlimited atonement is clearly taught in scripture and jesus literally died for everybody mm-hmm. and if you trust in what he did for you you will have his righteousness applied to your count and you will be seen as righteous before god judicially qualified for entrance into heaven just like these Corinthians who had been like this, but they were washed. Mm, Now, the beautiful thing is about the Corinthian church is they're still really jacked up. And there's all these people who were washed and sanctified and justified that keep making dumb mistakes. Yeah, well, and that's why he's got to go through and list this, right? Exactly. Some of them still are that way. Yes. So that's, and that's some exactly of them, I mean, they're doing all this crazy stuff in Corinth. Yeah. And he's going, no, that's not who you are. You got to stop. You don't live as the old man. Put on Christ. Be who you are in Christ. So we're not mm-hmm. saying people aren't going to struggle. Yeah. We're not saying that you come and turn to Christ and magically you're just all the time happy and everything's always fine. This is completely not biblical. But just because you struggle with something doesn't make it okay. Yeah. But just because right. you struggle with something doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that I I've, I've I've really been sad about. So many homosexual people hear a message that God doesn't love you if you do this sin. When the Bible teaches no, in spite of whatever your sin, yeah, God loves you immensely. We can't we can't forget that, and we gotta lead with that. God loves people who practice homosexuality. It's true, yeah. And God loves idiots like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's 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 great. God loves sinners. God loves sinners, mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what it is. And so, if you're out there and you struggle with same sex attraction, if you have uh, sinned sexually, you know, committed adultery, fornication, homosexuality, mm-hmm. whatever it is, Jesus cares about you and loves you, but those activities still aren't okay. Yeah, and we got to stand for truth, but also be loving and gracious and kind, like Jesus was. Yeah. So that's where it's at. So the 1946 movie, uh, I I can't. I want to see it because I want to see if there's more to their arguments. Because from what I can get from the previews and reading their stuff, it's it's a pretty flimsy argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's
0: there's a lot of issues with that, and so uh, but that's the thing. We just we have to. Address issues that are being brought up in the culture and in yep. the world. And that's why, right, we're Christ Culture and Coffee. We talk about things that are happening in the culture, and this is happening in the culture, especially uh, right now. It's a hot-button hot, hot button issue. Yep. Uh, um, literally, like, in the entire month it has been dictated <laughs> as Pride Month in our yeah. culture, and every brand out there has a rainbow plastered on it. And so yep. you have to address these things. And so that's what we're wanting to do. We want to address the culture. We want to... Uh, be engaged with our audience and what you're going through on a day-to-day basis Uh, so please if you have any questions or anything you'd like to follow up with us please reach out to us
1: we'd love to help you out absolutely hey thanks so much for watching for listening today Uh, we are Christ Culture and Coffee and we'll be back next week to talk more about uh, common slogans uh, from the LGBT community in our culture and how to spot fallacies within their arguments we'll catch you guys then If you
0: enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and
1: leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well
0: as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.